Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather yet again on this Lord's Day to be in your presence, in the presence of each other. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would guide, continue to guide these moments, that as we listen, as we, we're not just mere passive um, hearers, help us to be active responders to you, as you would lead, as you would speak, that you would tenderize hearts, that you would dig out ears, that we would be able to hear and be ready to follow wherever you might lead us this day, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. Amen. Mission Kids, thank you so very much. I've been to San Diego a couple of times. It's a beautiful place, but I didn't know that story about the mother who was sleeping in her car and the way the church helped her and the way that they described uh, the fullness of life that Jesus offers to her and to anyone. In fact, that's really uh, ties in beautifully to what we're talking about this day uh, when we uh, open our Bibles to John chapter 10. If you have your Bible or you would want to look in your Bible there in the pew rack in front of you, go ahead and open to John chapter 10. But I want to begin this morning by thinking about one of the most recognizable landmarks in all of the world. In fact, it's a bridge that I was just on last night, the Golden Gate Bridge. But I want to think more than just about the bridge. I want to think about together the little passageway that's known as the Golden Gate. I remember when I first moved here and I'd grown up seeing pictures and movies and all sorts of things about the Golden Gate Bridge and wondering what San Francisco must be like and how wonderful it would be to be on that bridge. And now it's like I I go across and it's like, I don't even appreciate it anymore. And it's terrible. It's terrible. But I often wondered how in the world it got its name. And um, I did some reading and uh, was uh, interested to discover. I assumed it was always tied into the gold rush. But in fact, it was named the Golden Gate, the passageway, long before there was ever a bridge there. Back in 1846, uh, the Golden Gate Passageway was given its name by John Fremont, who was a U.S. Army uh, person and explorer. And he named it the Golden Gate because it reminded him so much of the harbor entryway in Istanbul that had a, has a very similar uh, name. And, of course, two years later, gold was discovered up in those hills in Sacramento. And so the Golden Gate certainly became a suitable name for all of the events that transpired after that. The Golden Gate, the Golden Gate, an entry point for beauty. That's the reason for its original name. For those seeking their fortune, it was a possible entry point for abundance And in just a few short months and a couple of years, it drew literally thousands of people from all over the world. News went to Hawaii, and then it got to Asia. And now you suddenly had people from South America and China and uh, all around uh, the Pacific Rim. People from Europe came. And if you lived on the East Coast, it took you six months to get out here in 1849, whether you went across the land or took a ship and went all the way down around South America or took a ship to the Panama area long before the Panama Canal, and then you hoofed it over land and hoped to find another ship on the Pacific coast. But six months it took, and it drew thousands of people this promise of um, of this wealth and uh, what could happen for them. Now, all of us we know are drawn, we're drawn today, maybe not by gold so much, but we're drawn to what we think will provide 
the fullness of life. Now, even though those early arrivers for the gold rush, many of them, it's interesting to to read, that they were more concerned about how they would be able to pack up all of the gold that they might find and to take it back home. They actually began to make plans for it before they even arrived here, and they worried more about that than they did about preparing for their journey to make it here. But the reality is very few actually became wealthy through the gold rush, through prospecting, and it became, for many, an empty promise and a false hope for so many different lives. Now, in our lives today, we we wrestle at times trying to sort out what is it exactly that leads to abundant living. Do you ever wrestle with that? Because we hear so many different messages. We hear so many claims in the world around us. We hear so many uh, voices that want to tell us what it is that leads to life's fullness. If you take this exercise or this particular diet or adopt this philosophy or do this in your marriage or uh, raise your children in this way, I mean, uh, do this in your career, uh, do this at your next interview. I mean, everything seems to come with the implication that if I just adopt that, then somehow I will find myself at the doorstep to life's fullest and greatest opportunities. We get fooled into thinking that the praise of others and the fame of the world might somehow lead to the abundance that the depth of my soul longs for. Uh, We long, um, as you long for uh, considering the attention and praise sometimes, uh, the, the world will say that we will applaud you if you do these certain things. And we come to realize that when the culture's Uh, that what they find praiseworthy is indeed quite shallow most of the time and changes quite frequently. Sometimes we think that life's fullness comes simply by having a success in, in our job or in our educational pursuits, and we think that only by achievement and by being awarded for that achievement will I know the abundance of an inner life that is full and overflowing. Sometimes we think that power That if we just had a position of power, that that would somehow bring us um, the the things that we're looking for. I I live sometimes with an assumption, we might, that if we can just control our environment and somehow along the way sway others around me, then I can build my own abundance. But when the uncontrollable of life happens, we come headlong into realizing that we are bewildered with that pursuit. Henry Nouwen describes addiction as possibly the greatest way of describing the lostness in the world, that people find themselves wrapped up in addictions to all sorts of life's pursuits because there's an assumption underneath that that in doing so, life will find its fullness. Over and over again, there are stories of people, many in this very fellowship, who describe that these particular doorways that open up to these particular pathways that they lead instead to dead ends. Rather than fullness of life and the abundance of living, it leads to dead ends, in fact. Where do we turn? Well, of course, the mission, our mission friends told us over and over again, we turn to Jesus, not just because it's some uh, lofty answer, but because he's a real and living person. And he invites each of us into our own personal relationship with him and then through the rest of our life into a fellowship with him. 
that he becomes the leader of our lives and we choose to follow all the days of our life. Jesus being the doorway. Jesus is the gateway to the abundant living that we all long for. The abundance of living that is way more than what is necessary. In fact, the word that is described in the verse that we're going to read in just a moment describes an abundant life. It's, it's going beyond what is necessary. And this is, this is what Jesus is offering. A life that be, it goes beyond what might be expected and what is necessary so that we might have truly what we need in the very depths of our soul for the abundant life that God and God alone can promise and offer. And it is available. I want to say it again. Abundant life is available. And it is offered to you. It's offered to you. To me? Yes. To you, it's offered. Now, I want you to look in your bulletin with me, this little uh, green sheets. This isn't quite lime colored. What color is this, somebody? I heard chartreuse, electric lime. I like that. Let's call it electric lime. Pull out your electric lime uh, insert this morning. This is the series that we're on, looking at the I Am Statements of Jesus. And uh, you'll see that we're, of course, on April 17th. And really today and tomorrow, uh, next Sunday's uh, messages really link up together. And uh, we're going to be, um, this is really part one of uh, a two-part mini-series within our larger uh, series. Next week, we're going to look at Jesus being the Good Shepherd and, and how Jesus guides us into this fullness of life. But today, we're talking about him being the gateway, that Jesus is the doorway. Jesus is the entry point to the very life that God offers to humanity. So if you have your Bibles, open them. Uh, let's read together to John chapter 10. And we're going to read the first 10 verses. This is Jesus talking mostly. He says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Verse 7. <clears throat> Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for all, or for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Father, we pray that you would add your blessing as we open our ears and our hearts to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> it's important, as we uh, described last week about the Jewish festival in the background, um, there's a, another Jewish festival happening in this particular uh, chapter, 
And uh, it's a uh, where we get our current uh, Jewish ho- uh, festival uh, currently of Hanukkah. <clears throat> Back in 164, when Judas Maccabeus expelled uh, foreigners from who had come in and desecrated the temple, a new um, victory cer- ceremony was established. The uh, temple was reconstructed, and um, a religious freedom festival was identified at that point. And there were a lot of messianic understandings and preparations that that God's God's chosen unique one would be coming soon into the world. And Jesus stands in this particular festival and makes another particular claim. As, as Jesus talks about the, the overarching idea of shepherding, for a Jewish mind of the day, their mind would have easily jumped back to the Old Testament and especially to Ezekiel chapter 34. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, there is a, it's an encouragement to the people that God himself would be and become the shepherd for his people. That God himself would take on the role as a guide, as a protector, as a provider for his people. Because in the time when Ezekiel was written, uh, it was after um, uh, the exile to a foreign place, uh, the leaders in Israel were kind of misbehaving. They weren't fulfilling their role as a guide that would point the people to God. And so God is saying that he himself would come and become the great shepherd for the sheep. He would become the great guide for his people. And so in this chapter, Jesus again, with great exclamation point, is saying, I am the long-awaited Messiah. I am the long-promised one of God. I am the good shepherd And we're going to talk more about what the Good Shepherd uh, idea meant uh, next week. But today we're talking about him saying, I am the gate of the sheep pen. Now, for a sheep pen in this day, you have to picture likely something out apart from other buildings. There would have been a wall built uh, often with stones. They would have been stacked up either in some sort of square shape or a circular shape. And then it would have vines put around the top edge of it. And it was a protective enclosure And there was only one way to go in and to come out, and it was the gate. And typically there wouldn't be a gate, but one of the shepherds would actually sit in the gateway and act as the gate. He would uh, prevent those who were unknown to the shepherds from coming in, uh, prevent the sheep from going out until it was uh, their proper time. Jesus is saying, I am the gate of the sheep pen for my people. Anyone who would come to me will find saving. They will find safety and security in my presence because I enclose them with my presence. You see, we must come to Jesus and go through Jesus if we are to know the fullness of God. Jesus is describing as being the doorway. When he says, I am the gate, I am the door, he is saying that I am the one who provides access to God himself. That if you come to me, you will know what it is to relate to one another in a way that I have instructed you to. If you come through me, you will know what it is to relate to the living God Because I am the gateway, I'm the gatekeeper, I am the one who opens this opportunity for you. I've shared with you, uh, I think before, I did an experiment several years ago. Um, 
just to understand a little bit more fully in the modern context the, the difficulty sometimes with accessing certain people. So I had the bright idea that uh, I found online a, a phone number for the White House. And so I dialed up the White House, and I had no idea what would happen. I didn't know if I would get arrested. Um, and so I, I just I had no idea, but I called up the White House, and I really didn't think anybody would answer. But sure enough, somebody answers, and they said, thank you for calling the White House. I was like, this got to be a joke. <laughs> this is a fake number. And so uh, as I simply said on the other line, I said, yes, I'd like to speak to the president, please. And to their, their surprise, I said, well, sir, uh, which, uh, which office are you calling from? I said, my office. That wasn't what he was asking. He says, well, what, what department uh, are you calling from? I said, oh, no department. I'm, uh, I'm just calling to see if I could talk to the president. Now, I knew I couldn't. Um, and I was just trying to see if I could prove my point. And you could almost, it felt like he was reading from a script and telling me all the reasons, very politely, of why the president was uh, far too busy and couldn't take uh, a phone calls just from any old person that called up any time they thought they ought to talk to the president. And uh, very politely, he, he kind of put me at arm's length, and, and I said, so, are you telling me that just, I'm, at, I'm actually calling the White House? Yes, sir. And you're telling me that if I want to talk to the president, I, I cannot talk to the president? No, sir. You're saying that I have no access to the president? That's right. I said, okay, thank you, and I hung up because my whole point was proven. I, I was not going to have an audience with the President of the United States because, A, he didn't know me, B, I didn't know him, and C, there was no one there who was able to take me, who also knew the President and could actually take me and vouch for me that I was okay and accessible to the President because there was no one there who would vouch for my, my person. And who I was. Now, Jesus, you see, when he says that I am the gate of the sheep pen, those who come to me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out. They will find pasture. And then he goes on describing the good shepherd. We'll get to that next week. But when Jesus says, I am the gate, I'm the doorway. I'm the gateway to access to the heavenly Father. If you want to experience the fullness of God... You have to encounter the person of Jesus. And by encountering the person of Jesus, the fullness of God's blessings are available to you. You see, we access the Father because there's someone who knows us and vouches for us when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it is He Himself, Jesus, who takes us by the hand and leads us before the Father and gives us access to the fullness of of God. Jesus is the gate. He is the doorway to all of the fullness that our hearts and souls long for. Jesus is the way. A little later in our series, we're going to open up to John chapter 14. Not, not today, but we're going to hear and look again at Jesus' statement that I am the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, the path to God goes through Jesus. He is the gateway. He is the guardian. He is the way. The abundant life, that which is way beyond what is necessary. You see, we're reminded in these pages, in these words, that our eternal life starts now. Now, we can be seduced 
to look for other ways to find fulfilling in our lives. Jesus describes them as thieves and robbers. Look at verse 10. When Jesus says, uh, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, there's nothing good about what a thief has to offer to the sheep, but it's Jesus himself who comes to give life and life to the very full. I don't know what it means, but this morning I've heard about uh, coyotes running around Marin County and Mill Valley. I was actually pulled up onto the church property, and I'm not making this up. There was a coyote sitting at the entry point of the church parking lot. I stopped. I even took a picture, if you don't believe me. <laughs> I've got a picture of that coyote. And I know that uh, wolves, uh, the scripture talks about wolves being the great uh, nemesis of the sheep. And when a shepherd goes out to protect the sheep, he's partly protecting them from the predators that surround the sheep. And that's part of what Jesus, as the great shepherd and the gateway, allows us to do. Do you remember the movie Home Alone? I bet some of you kids maybe have seen that movie, Home Alone. You remember how those thieves uh, who want to break into that boy's house, if you haven't seen the movie, the the family's all stressed out. They get up for a flight uh, one morning uh, out of Chicago, and there's a lot of children, a lot of extra family, extended family that have come in, and there's a big group of them traveling. They've rented vans to drive them to the airport, and then all of the commotion and chaos, when they actually... Have you ever done that? You sit down on an airplane getting through all the security and all of the, everything. You're finally on the airplane. You sit down and you begin to relax. It's like, okay, now I can just kind of just chill out and be. Well, all of a sudden the mom, of course the dad's clueless, but the mom is like starting to count children. And she's like, counts again and counts a third time. She's like, oh, we've left our other son. And so uh, the whole movie is about her trying to get back and what this one son alone in the house what he does, and uh, there were some uh, thieves who had identified the house, they'd marked it, and uh, right, Jake, they were wanting to get into the house, and, and they do their, their best to get in. The, he first poses as a police officer, right? He's disguised himself as someone who can provide good, but he certainly has ulterior motives because he's scoping out their, their plan, their timetable, their departure date, their arrival, and then... He gets with his partner, and they disguise themselves as plumbers. They have a plumbing truck, and that's how they approach the house. Again, disguising themselves as someone who's going to offer good to that home and to that family. But underneath it all, it's for wrong purposes. So it is, in our day, the thieves and the robbers that want to distract us, that want to point us in different directions other than the person of Jesus. They claim that there's fullness, the fullness of life that we all really long for, the fullness of life that we will not have apart from God. They want to point us in directions away from Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I am the way. You want fullness of life, you come to me and you must go through me. There are religious leaders that want to point people away from Jesus. There are the philosophers of our age who want to hold up the achievements of mankind. Sometimes when a, a new tech Uh, announcements are made. The uh, implication seems to be that your life will be limited without this new technology, right? Entertainers in in music or film or talk shows, they often suggest that life's fullness is found in either popularity or showing yourself off or pushing your way forward or by claiming power over others. That is the path to fullness, they would say. And Jesus steps into that and he says, no, 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 no. You want the abundance of life that you really long for. You must come to me 
and through me. Because I will give you life that goes beyond. It is, it is elaborately beyond what is expected. There was a time years ago when Susan and I lived on the seminary campus when I came home and I realized I didn't have my key. I was locked out. We had a, a little kitchen window. It was about this big. And I kind of measured my, my girth and I thought, I think I could fit through that window if I can get up to the window. It, you know, the base of the window is about this tall. And uh, so I began to look around. It was a little, little, basically a glorified studio apartment. And I looked around. There was hardly anything except my little smoky barbecue grill. You know what a little smoky grill is? Kind of like a little hibachi grill. It was only about a day big around, and it had uh, what I thought were strong metal legs. Um, so it stood about this tall off the ground. I thought, that might just be perfect. So I slide it over under the window, and I climb up on this little smoky grill, and I'm right here at the window, and I'm... You know, fortunately, we left it open so we could get some cool air in the house. And as I'm pulling the screen off and sliding the window completely open, all of a sudden I realize I'm... <laughs> My little smoky, I'd smashed it. <laughs> I mean, I had squished it flat. The legs had gone... And it was literally sitting on the ground. Fortunately, uh, I don't know what I did. Actually, I don't even remember. But um, I think I found a friend who let me into their house until Susan, who came with a key, could let me into my own house. I felt like a thief and a robber trying to enter my own place. But what I needed was somebody with a key. And you see, when we think about Jesus being the gate, not only does Jesus have a key, it's more than that. Because he himself is the very doorway. He himself opens it. To those who would come and confess their sin and to give themselves to him. He says, I want to take your life and I want to wash you clean. I want to deal with the guilt of your life. I want to remove that guilt out of your life. And I want to begin to build in you my very character, my very self, so that you would see my life welling up within you. So that you would then begin to think like I think. And to feel about the things of the world that I feel about. That you would have compassion toward the people who are broken. That you would want to do the right thing, not because it pleases God, but because God is in you motivating you to make healthy, good choices. You see, Jesus, if we are to know God, in all of his fullness, we must come to and go through Jesus. So here's the question for us as we end this morning. Are you experiencing the fullness of God's life in Christ Jesus? Elsewhere in the Gospel of John, Jesus talked about peace. Peace, peace do I leave you, not as the world gives. Joy I leave you, an abundance of my joy I give you. Real hope that is full and substantial, not empty or vanity. We're surrounded by other voices that want to prompt us to look elsewhere, to find God in his fullness in other places. And we're going to talk about next week Jesus being the good shepherd and his voice that the sheep hear and they eagerly respond and they learn discernment between his voice and the voices of others so that we might walk with God as we come to Jesus and go through Jesus, walking and living and experiencing the fullness of the life that he has for you.
Father, that is our great desire, is that as we contemplate these realities today, where you have said you are the gateway, you are the gate, the door, the doorway, and you are the one who opens the door to those who would come and bow their knee and put you first in their life and repent of their sin and embrace the good news of what you have done for us in the cross and dying in our place, being raised from the dead, victorious over sin. God, I pray this day that if there are any here who have not yet entered into the gateway of a personal relationship with you, that today might be the day. Today would be another step toward that door. Today would be another question and a prayer offered to you, perhaps, saying, Jesus, open the gate so that I may come in. Make it so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.